Well, this morning, as we wrap up 2023, it's always, to me, kind of a, a special moment um, for us in our lives because literally, I mean, tomorrow we, we start a brand new year. It's kind of crazy to think about. Um, it doesn't seem like we should already be here, at least on, in my heart and mind. It seems like it went super fast. 2023 seemed to fly right by. Um, but the end of a year tends to do a couple things. Uh, typically, it causes us to look backward, right? We, we tend to look back over the last year and just kind of think, man, was it a good year? Would I call it a good year? Would I call it a bad year? Would I call it, uh, would I see that there were some good things? Would I see there's some bad things? That we also tend to, to look forward. And some of you, especially those of you who are uber organized, you have already laid out this next year. You've got all your calendar stuff filled in and you're ready to go and looking forward to 2024. Um, but I would say that more than likely when we glance back, right? When we glance back to 2023, if we sat down today and we really kind of started writing it out, I think we would probably all have a similar list in that we would have moments that we would write and say, those were some tough times. Those are some trials that we went through in 2023. And I think we would also write down blessings and we would say, man, there were some really good moments in 2023 as well. And we'd write those out. But what I've noticed is, and maybe this isn't true for you, but I, I'll tell you, I feel like it's true for me at least, is that the trials tend to be what stand out the most. A lot of times, when you, if you were to say, real quick, look at 2023, if you went through some stuff, some difficult things in 2023, it's going to be a lot easier for those things to hit your mind. Our blessings sometimes take us a little bit longer to process, to think about, and say, oh, yeah, 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 that did happen, and that was great. But the trials tend to be right there at the forefront of our mind. They tend to leave us wondering why, and, and again, depending on how big of a trial maybe that you went through, a lot of times those things can cause us and our emotions to be all over the place, right? They can cause a ton of anxiety and anger or depression or fear or sadness, and the list of emotions can go on and on and on. Yet, as we're going to read in the text this morning, this is what always makes me just fall in love with the word and be like, how is that even true? When the text we're going to read this morning tells us that trials, those difficult times, right, for the believer are meant to actually help us. Now, if you're in the midst of one, sometimes that doesn't always feel like that's true. And so I wanted to spend some time in God's word this morning together looking at how he works. And hopefully, it's going to give us some encouragement as well as challenge us a little bit this morning as we wrap up this year. And we are about to head into a brand new one. And I think it's going to be some things that we need to know and think about. Before we look at our text, which by the way, for those of you who like to follow along, we're going to be in James chapter 1. So you can grab your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter 1. We'll get there in just a few minutes, I promise. But before we start reading the text, there is some personal things I need to share with you. Okay, and when I say that, <clears throat> I mean I'm referring to you guys as my family, my church family, but my family. Um, I don't say that flippantly. <clears throat> if you've gone here for a really long time, you know that I consider you my family. Um, Jen and I moved here 23 years ago, and there were, was no family here, right? And you all took us in, and you've loved us unconditionally for 23 years. And other than my mom, who came here today, which I'm so thankful that she's back, and lives here for a few months out of the year, <clears throat> we don't have, like, blood family. So this is our family. You're our family. And so, in my opinion, there's just moments like this that we need to, or I need to share things with you, um, because I want you to know that as I preach this sermon today, um, I'm not preaching this from some distant 
unrelatable viewpoint, okay? 2023, and those of you who uh, have been around a lot or or talked to me a lot, you know some of these things, but 2023 uh, has not been the the greatest year for me health-wise. And in April, if you didn't know this, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Um, In August, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And so I've been spending this whole year, really, or a lot of the year, trying to get, work with my doctors, get all those things under control, and I've done that. Those things are, are doing great, right? We're, we're doing great in that area, and kind of my heart and mind was, all right, here we go. This is good. We, we dealt with those things. We're healthier than we've ever been, and now here we go. We know these things. We're going forward into 2024. But in late November, um, I had a PSA test come back that was not good. For those of you who don't know what a PSA test is, it deals with your prostate. And so um, in early December, the doctor said, you need to have what's called a 4K test done. And so I went and I had that done, which is basically a glorified PSA test. It just basically is a lot better test to try to find other things and see if what they think is possible is, is, is really there. And so the 4K test actually came back not good as well. And so a few weeks ago, they had me go and do an MRI. Um, and that, those results came back that there is a spot um, on my prostate, and the doctors are almost positive that it is cancer. Um, now, I know those of you who are medically, you're, oh, no, 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 you can't, and they've said this a million times, you can't say that, you can't say that it's cancer until you have a biopsy. We, they, they, they know that, we know that. They've done this for a really long time. <clears throat> Three different testings now have all said that, and now confirmed that they see this. They're pretty sure that's what it is. I'm like you. I believe and I know that God can do anything and they can go in there to do this biopsy and it'd be completely gone. I, I believe that and I know that can happen. I, can, I also know that um, it could come back that it's not cancer. All those things are possibles, right? Those are things God could do. And if that were to happen, we would give God all the glory and praise 100% for sure. But if God doesn't choose to work a miracle that way, I want you to know the good news, okay? I don't, I don't mean to scare you. Um, part of the reason that we've not even talked about this yet is, one, I didn't realize if I was ready to. Number two, I didn't want to ruin anybody's Christmas. I didn't want, to, I didn't want this to be something that y'all had to, to think about during your Christmas time. But um, the good news is, is that from what they saw in the MRI, it's one spot and it's contained which means that they can go in, they can take it out, and I should be fine. So our next step is to have a biopsy done, okay? They're going to identify exactly what it is, um, which should happen sometime in January. If it is cancer, um, then they're going to know what type it is, and then, of course, that will determine the speed at which they move for surgery. So, again, good news is they assure me that this is a very treatable cancer, and many people have no further issues once they have had it taken out. Now, to say all that, I'm going to request two things from you as my church family. One of them, I think you guys are going to go, okay, that's obvious. One of them, it has a possibility of hurting your feelings, and I don't mean for it to. I'll try to explain it the best I can. The first one is, I would just ask that you please, please, please keep Jen and I in your prayers. Um, It's one of the reasons that I've debated even waiting to tell you guys a little bit later on, um, because for lots of reasons, but then at the same time, I was like, no, I want your prayers. And I know this church, and I know that you'll get behind us, and you'll be praying for us. Um, <clears throat> but also, because the truth is, it's a lot, all right? It's a lot to deal with. And those of you who have been down this road, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I also want to tell you that, because if the last couple of months, if Jen and I have seemed off, and I would say me 
I, I seem off all the time in other ways. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just off in general, maybe different, um, I don't know, distant, whatever it might seem that if, if we felt, you felt that at all from us over the last couple of months, this is why. Okay, this is what we've been dealing with. This is what we've been struggling with, praying about, um, going through together. Um, and so we just would really appreciate your prayers. The second one, and again, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I just got to be honest with y'all. That's what I do. It's, it's just the way I am. I, and so I just am asking you to please, please, please hear the first word, don't, okay? Don't. <laughs> don't tell me any stories of people that you know who have dealt with this, okay? And I say that even if you say, oh, but it's a good story. It's a positive story. I have gone, I've been in a in, in the church world for way too long to know that many times people think what they're saying is good, what they think they're saying is encouraging, and it's not, okay? So it would just be better for me to, I, I appreciate your stories. I appreciate your, your uncle, your brother, your, your husband, or maybe you personally, oh, I've gone through this, and, I did, and it's a good thing. We went through it, and everything was fine, and they're great. I get that, but so many times those stories can take a right turn that you just, oh, well, I didn't really mean it that way. Oh, I've, and I just, I don't need any more help with, with anything negative. So it just, it would do me a lot more good just to have your prayers, okay? A year from now, we can discuss our, our stories and our cancer stories, and we can celebrate what God has done together. But for right now, we're like in the middle of it. So what I need right now, what Jen and I both need, is your prayers. Um, so please, please pray for us. Church, I, we, Jen and I both truly believe God has got this, and we are going to get through this together. And just like we're going to read in our text this morning, God is going to bring us out on the other side of this stronger, better, and all because of it, because we've gone through this, um, this trial. Now, typically this kind of thing, there's a lot of questions that might be running through your minds and, you know, that we just don't have answers for yet. And I'm just being honest with you. It's one of the reasons why we kind of wanted to wait before we had more answers. But regardless, we don't know when the surgery is going to be. Don't even know exactly when the biopsy will be. More than likely January, like I said. We don't know when the surgery will then come after that. Uh, and we don't know how long uh, yet. How long? Does that mean you're not going to be preaching for a while? Does that mean you're not going to be? I don't know what it means. To be totally honest with you, I don't know what it means. No one really knows. Um, we'll have more information on that. And I promise you that we will keep you informed. But I also want to remind you that we have an incredible church staff right? The, the, this place doesn't run because of me. This place has got an incredible church staff and leadership. Um, and it's just, it's just an incredible place full of incredible people. We're not going to skip a beat no matter how long this takes and whatever we got to do to get through it. Again, God's got it. And I truly believe this. I believe that he is preparing me for the next chapter of what is to come for us here at FCC. And I believe through this I'm growing. I believe through this I am maturing. I'm getting closer to God. I'm, I'm learning things. I'm dealing with things that I've never had to deal with before. But it's going to only make me stronger, better, and I believe more effective as a pastor. I've thought through all of it, guys. I really have. I've thought through the infusions that I have to take for the rest of my life for my, my UC that I go through. You know, and I was talking to somebody about that one day, and I started thinking about, you know what? I've got to go sit now every few months. I've got to sit in a place and and have this infusion done that takes a few hours. And then one of the things they said to me was, you know what, maybe there's going to be somebody there that could use a pastor to talk to them for a few hours. And I said, you know what, you're right. I don't know. I don't know what God's going to do and how he's going to use all this and how it's all going to play out. All I know is God's got it. And I'm putting it in his hands. We're putting it in his hands. And he's going to get us through this. 
And so I'm just asking you to please, please, please just bathe this in prayer. And I want to stop for a second because I know that we need to pray because I have a feeling that that's not exactly what you were probably thinking you were going to hear as the start of a sermon um, when you came to church today. So it's a lot to process. But I want to pray. But then here's what I want to do. I want to do what we should all do when we are faced with a trial. And that is to turn to God's word for direction and for comfort. Amen? This is where we turn. I can't sit up here for 23 years and preach that to you and then not do that myself. We've got to go here for our, our comfort. We've got to go here for the truth. We've, we've got to go here for, for direction. We've got, to, we've got to seek God when we're going through difficult times. We all will go through them at one time or another. So I want to pray, and then we're going to get into this today, and we're going to read this scripture, and I hope we're going to leave here um, with, with hope this morning and encouragement um, not depression, not, not fear. All right, so let's pray, and then we're going to get into this this morning. God, uh, I just, I pray you show up in just a mighty way again today like you do, it just seems, each and every Sunday. Lord, I pray that you would be with my words today. I pray that the, your scripture, your word would just jump off the page to all of us, and it would just, it would bless our hearts and our minds and our souls. It would give us encouragement. It would, it would give us peace. It would give us understanding as to how we deal with some of these things as we go through them and what they're meant for. Give us clarity on that, God. And Lord, I just want to say thank you for this church. Thank you for these brothers and sisters that I know have got my back, that I know love me and love Jen and love my family, and I know are going to be right there with us along the way. I just thank you, Lord, for that. I know not everybody has that. And so I just want to be grateful and thankful for it. Thank you for that blessing and the way this church loves so well. God, teach us today from your word. Reveal things to us today that maybe we didn't know or maybe we've forgotten. And let it strengthen us today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. As I said earlier, we're going to be in the book of James this morning. So turn there. And please do your best to clear your minds and not let that be a, like a downer. It's, I'm promising you guys we're going to be all right. So let's, let's turn to the Bible. Let's see what it says. James is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, maybe it is for you as well. One of the reasons is just how practical it is. To me, James is, and maybe you have one of these people in your life, one of those friends that is just kind of a no-nonsense friend. They'll just tell you like it is. You know, they're kind of like, listen, you're probably not going to like to hear this, but here it is. I'm just going to call you out on this. Here you go. And they just lay it out for you. I don't know about you, but I appreciate those people in my life. I'd much rather someone just be honest with me and straightforward with me than to beat around the bush and say things that aren't really true and not tell me the truth. And so James is one of those people. He doesn't beat around the bush. He gets straight to the point, no-nonsense type of communicator. So if you haven't read the book of James, five chapters, you should read it. It will bless your life for sure. His whole letter is just like an instruction manual of, of, for spiritual maturity. Chapter after chapter of instruction of this is how you grow spiritually. Just lays it out there for us. It's super easy to understand. To me, it's just an incredible resource as, as Christ followers. Everybody should read it and memorize as much of it as you possibly can. It will do you so much good. So this morning, we're going to look at chapter 1 and we're, we're just going to pull out some points. I want to pull out a couple points, go through some things together as we go through this. And as we, I think what well, it's going to just help us as we transition into t- from 2023 to 2024. Uh, because again, 
More than likely, I'm not the only one sitting up here that's gone through stuff. I know I'm not because I've prayed with many of you and I've seen your tears and I've seen what you've gone through. And so I know that 2023 has been tough or 2022 was tough or whatever it is. We've gone through stuff, right, together. And we also have a a whole new year ahead of us. More than likely, we're going to go through some stuff in 2024. And so it's important. I want you to hear this. It's important that we face difficult moments biblically. It's so important that we face difficult moments biblically. Because as you know, there is another at work. There is another at work that tries to discourage and cause fear and anxiety in our lives. And if we aren't intentional about going to God's word He will use our trials to wreak havoc on our lives. It's the way he works. So it's so important that we go here for the truth and we listen to these promises of God. So we're going to begin, we're going to kind of skip around through chapter 1. We're going to read kind of three different parts of chapter 1. The first one we're going to read is James 1. I'm going to read verses 2 through 4. It says this. James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Then skip down to verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Then skip down to verses 21 through 25. It says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely, if you haven't gotten this line, if you don't have verse 22 underlined in your Bible, you need to underline it or highlight it, whatever it is you do. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, I think it's obvious to most of us that when a person matures physically, we can't see that with our own eyes, or we can see that part with our own eyes, right? Physically is is able to be seen. We see it all the time. If you've had kids... You see it. If you come to church and you see the kids here at church, you see it. You're like, wow, I remember I, man, I used to have that kid in the nursery. And now, oh my goodness, look, at they've, they've grown up. Or we look at pictures and we're like, wow, the difference from here to, to, to now. We look at school pictures and we're like, this is a crazy, this change as they mature. So the changes are obvious. They're taller, right? They're, uh, they, they're stronger. They look different. They're not, they're not wearing diapers anymore. It's obvious there's been this maturing that has happened. But how can you tell if someone has matured spiritually? Right? That's a lot harder to do because people can fake it, right? And so how do we really know? How do we know if someone has matured spiritually? What are some of the indicators that we've grown spiritually? What do we look for? Well, from the verses that we just read in chapter 1, James gives us a couple of ways. One of them is we persevere under trials. We persevere under trials. One mark of a mature believer is that more and more you're able to persevere when things get difficult. Listen to what he says again in verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. The word I want you to focus on, first of all, there is that word whenever, right? Not if. He doesn't say not if you go through trials. When, right? James is telling us you and I are going to go through trials. Everyone is going to face trouble of some kind in life. 
pretty sure that most of us in here already have. But it also says, notice, trials of, it says many kinds. So trials are going to come, and they're going to come in all different kinds of shapes and sizes. They're going to feel different. Trials are going to come through health. We've already talked about one of those today, right? Sometimes trials are going to come in relationships. Sometimes trials are going to come in, in finances. Sometimes trials are going to come through spiritual warfare. And they're going to come in so many different ways, and I would even say wait, right? Sometimes those trials come, and they're heavier than they are other times. But I want you to notice the first part as well that James says here, consider it pure joy. What does that mean? Does that, does that mean that when we're faced with a trial that we just jump up and down with joy and act like it doesn't happen? Does it mean that we're just to walk around with smiles on our faces? We come to church and someone's like, how are you? And you're like, oh, blessed. I'm so blessed. God is so good. When you're not, it's great. That's true. But when it's not true, is that what we're supposed to do even though we're all broken inside? No, that's called being fake. That's, that's not what James is saying here. I'm just going to be honest with you. When I, when I got my first test back and I got my second test back and they just kept being not good, you can ask Jen, um, though it's not a norm for me, man, I cried my eyes out. I bawled like a baby thinking of that I may lose my life and not be able to see my grandkids one day. I thought about how Jen and I are supposed to celebrate 30 years of marriage in April. We have plans to do that with our kids and how badly I, I, I want to spend 30 more with her. I thought, I let my thoughts wander and, and to the point of wondering, is this going to be my last Christmas? I mean, the, these are things that start going through your mind. Trials are real. Emotions are real. And being honest with your emotions is a good thing. We can't fake it. I don't want you to think, oh, you're a pastor. Jen is, is a children's pastor. You, oh, well, you guys are perfect and you have it all together and you don't ever struggle. That's a lie. We're human just like you guys. And when you go through these trials, there's real emotions there. What's not good is walking around and being fake. So no, James is not promoting fake it till you make it. That's not what he's saying here at all. James is simply reminding us that we aren't going through whatever it is that we're going through alone and for no reason. He wants us to know that. He wants us to understand that God is at work. Even We sing songs about this, right? Even when we don't see it. Even when we don't feel it, he is doing something good in the midst of our difficult trials. I know that we would love, love, love to live this life without any trials. That God would just keep all the trials away and we would just be able to coast through life. But he doesn't. That's not this life. There's a life coming that that's what's going to happen. There's a day coming that we will live forever in eternity and there will be no more trials, no more pain, no more heartache, no no more cancer, no more dying. All that's going to be gone. But that's not this life. That's the next life. We're not going to be without trials and pain here. I remember Jen asking me one night as we... We're struggling and still struggle through this, but especially towards this beginning as we were trying to wrap our minds around what's going on. And she just asked me why. She said, why do we have to go through this? Why do we have to go through this? And I, I just told her, I said, baby, we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. Things are not perfect here. They don't last forever, but God has a plan and we have to trust that plan. Everybody's good with saying that God has a plan. It's a whole lot different to trust the plan. Church, this world comes with trials, but praise God that he walks through them with us and he uses these trials to grow us in so many ways. Now, scripture tells us God takes what the enemy means for evil and he turns it to good. That's our God. 
And so I want us to look at a few things this morning as well here. I want us to look at three ways here that, that God uses trials for our good. I want us to see this, that it's not all bad. The first one is to mature us. I want you to look at verse 3 again. It says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, James, when he says this, he's speaking in a progressive way to us. He's, that sometimes when trials come, God is going to use them. He's going to use them to grow us spiritually, right? He's going to grow us deeper. Paul says something very similar. If you, if you read a lot of Paul's letters, he says in Romans 5, uh, 3 through 5, he says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So Paul and James say very similar things here. James says it's a progressive thing. It builds maturity. It builds character. Paul says suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts. And I would guess if you and I were honest, and we're kind of the theme of the sermon today, right? If we were being honest and we kind of reflected back on our lives, not even just this year, but I would just say our lives in general. If we sat down, thought through it, we thought about the trials that we've gone through. I think probably every one of us could have a testimony that some of the greatest lessons you've learned, some of the most intimate moments you've ever felt with God occurred due to trials and difficulties. It's in those moments that God refines us, that God grows us, that God matures us. It's all, it always reminds me of I don't know why, but it always just takes me, I know why, but it kind of brings me back to this illustration I heard. I don't remember where I heard it, but a long time ago, true story. You maybe have heard about the experiment they did in this, what's called a biodome back in the 80s. They, the scientists, they built this biodome and it was supposed to be the perfect conditions to grow everything. I mean, they were doing all these experiments. They were growing trees and fruits and vegetables, everything. It was supposed to be this perfect atmosphere. So they built this place and hundreds of millions of dollars to do it. But, and everything seemed to do really, really well, except for one exception. And they noticed that when the trees grew to a certain height, they would just topple over. They couldn't figure it out. What is happening? Why is this happening? And the scientists kept studying it, and then they realized they forgot to include the natural element of wind. Trees need wind to blow against them because when it does that, it causes their root systems to grow deeper which then supports the tree as it grows taller. It literally needs that friction. It needs that to be able to, to be a healthy tree, to be able to grow to its, the next part of its life and withstand the next winds that are going to come. And it's the same thing that James is communicating here. Without trials in our lives, we're not going to grow. We'll never grow. We'll never mature. We would think that we didn't even need God. And we would never mature. Just look at the difference. And I'm pretty sure this is 100% for all of us. Just look at the difference in our prayer lives when things are going great to when things are going terrible. The amount of times we're on our knees, the amount of times that it's 24-7 praying and seeking God tends to be the moments that we're going through trials. 
difficult times is when we seek him the most, when, we, when we're going to him the most, when our relationship with him the, is, is the closest. Trials mature our relationship with the Lord. And when we face trials with God's word on our hearts and minds, we develop deep roots that produce perseverance and character and hope. That's what these men of the word are talking about. It's what God's trying to communicate to us. We mature, and then we are able to handle things that we were previously not able to handle. We could literally look at this, and what I'm going through is a good thing. That man, God must have something big for us in the future as a church. Preparing us. Preparing me, preparing you. And I love this thought. When I, when I typed this out, I was like, God, that's cool. It's a cool thought. I, I typed out, as we mature and we, we were able to handle things that were, like I just said, that, that we were previously not able to handle, I wrote this, we become a new tool in the hand of God to be used in ways that we weren't able to be used before. How powerful is a tool in the hand of God? Tools in our hands, we can do certain things. A tool in God's hands, we, we've been praying about this before, right? When we put things in God's hands, we, went through, we talked about the feeding of the 5,000. When things get put in God's hands, miracles happen. Amazing things happen. And so knowing that going through difficult times for all of us, not just me, but all of us, when we go through these difficult times, God begins to mold and shape us, and, and we begin to now be a, a new tool in his hands that he can do even more with. It's an incredible thing to think about. But if we sit and we complain about it or we turn to things instead of God for strength and peace, we will still go through the trial. It doesn't mean that we don't get to go through the trial. We still go through the trial, but only to learn nothing from it, only to become bitter for having to go through it. See, trials, depending on who or what we turn to in the midst of them, we're either going to get bitter or better. That's the two choices that we have as we go through difficult times. And God wants to use trials to mature us. It's one of the things he does. The second way that God uses trials for our good is to correct us. It's to correct us. If we're honest, sometimes we bring trials upon ourselves, right? It's our fault because we are disobedient to God. Sometimes we do things that we know are against the word of God. We know there's sin, and yet we just kind of hope that God doesn't see it, or God will just forgive us for it, or God doesn't really care, but that's not the way it works. And I want you to hear this. I want you to get this. When we are disobedient to God's word, we invite trials and difficulties into our lives. We do that. So many people think that God is just some kind of cosmic killjoy who's up there telling us, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, because he doesn't want us to have any fun and do these things that we really want to do. But when you think about that, if you'll just spend any amount of time thinking about that kind of logic, you're going to get real quick to realize it's almost like a five-year-old's logic. You're right? I mean, it's a five-year-old gets upset because they pick up a, a rattlesnake outside to play with and their mom won't let them. Mom won't let me play with the rattlesnake. And he's like, really? Like, you're upset about that? Dad won't let me have his gun to go outside and play. I don't understand. I don't understand why. They're so mean. Why would they do this to me? That's the kind of logic that a five-year-old has because they don't understand. See, it's not about being a killjoy. It's called protecting you from yourself. That's what God's doing. That's what his word is doing. It's not about taking joy from you. He's trying to protect you and me. And he's why he tells us, don't do these things. I promise you, they're not what they seem. And he gives us, there's examples all throughout the word of God. If you, if you just, that's why it's so important to read it. Look at the story of the prodigal son, right? He gets all this money. He wants his inheritance. And he goes out and he blows it on all this wild living. Ends up 
alone all by himself in the, this feeding trough with these pigs. And he, he's hungry. He's desiring. He had everything. And he left all that, wasted all that. Now all of his choices put him in this pig pen where he's desiring to eat the food that the pigs are eating. And the reason he's there is because of the choices that he made. That's what led him to the trials that he was then facing. And then think of the story of Jonah. He does the same kind of thing. He doesn't want to follow what God tells him to do. So he does things his way. He winds up almost drowning. Then he ends up in the belly of a fish because of his choices. Church, when we don't do things God's way, we invite the hardships. We invite the trials into our lives. And many times God will use those to correct us. The third way that God uses trials for our good is to direct us. Direct us. Some trials come not because we've sinned or been disobedient to God. It's just God's way of redirecting our lives. When you read Acts 27 and 28, you're going to read about Paul being, he gets on this ship, he's headed to Rome. They end up in this massive storm at sea, and it's literally a 14-day storm, and this storm just beats the heck out of the ship to the point that it destroys it. And they find themselves literally having to grasp for planks of wood from the ship just to hold on to, to try to float to shore to get to what ends up being this island called Malta. Now that storm, that shipwreck, this island, it's not on Paul's schedule. This is not where Paul planned to be. He's on his way to Rome, but it was part of God's plan. In Acts 28, we read that there were many sick people on that island and it didn't and people that didn't know the Lord on the island of Malta. And God uses Paul to heal the sick that were on that land as well as you read Paul, you know that he also spread the gospel there as well. So here's what happened. God sees this island of people who are in great need of help. He sees his servant Paul here in the Mediterranean and he allows a storm to bring these two things together. Paul had not sinned, he wasn't running from God, he wasn't disobedient. And that's what happens with us as well. Sometimes people, they lose their jobs, they'll lose all their money, their, their lives seem to be falling apart. But we don't know the big picture of what God is doing. The final chapter of our lives have not been written yet. And God might be stripping them of that job, as painful as it may be, because he's redirecting their life. Because he has a much better viewpoint of our lives. And he sees what is coming. And many times God has a different plan for our lives than we do. And so he redirects us. We need to understand that every storm in our life isn't always to mature us. And it isn't always to correct us. Sometimes it's simply to redirect us toward his perfect plan for our lives. And the good news is there's still a great promise here in James. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. There's a reward in store for those who endure trials. There's nothing that we go through that is unnoticed by God. God promises us that we will be blessed when we remain faithful, when we trust him, when we persevere through trials. There is blessing that comes. So one way that we can tell if we're growing spiritually is when we persevere under trials. The second way we find here in chapter 1 of James is we put God's word into practice. We put God's word into practice. Read verse 22 again. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You know what's worse than not hearing the word of God? It's hearing it and not putting it into practice. 
Because if we hear the word of God and don't put it into practice, James says, it's just self-deception. Because we have heard the truth, we know what is right, but if we choose to not put it into practice, we are deceiving ourselves and we have no one else to blame but us. We know better. We know what the word says and we're just choosing to not do it. See, a mark of spiritual maturity is realizing that we don't get to be selective in what we choose to follow and obey from God's word. This is why so many times people think they're such a mature Christian and they, they even want to be in leadership within the church or whatever it may be. Or they just feel like they've got it together and they're the strong Christian person all while they're living in sin and they know it, but they just don't care. They're not going to change their ways. They're being selective of what they want to follow in God's word and what they don't. That's not a mature Christian. That's an immature Christian. That's someone who doesn't understand God's word. That's someone that doesn't love God enough and his word enough to obey it. They think they know better, so they make their choices the way they want to make their choices. And it's not good. James is saying that you're deceiving yourself. We don't get to just follow the parts that we like or that come easy for us. We're called to put them all into practice. And James says if we do that, he says, listen, if you'll do that, you'll be blessed. Listen to verse 25 again. But for whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, and here's the key, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So there is this, there's the choice. We can hear it and not put it into practice and be deceived, or we can hear it, put it into practice and be blessed. We get this choice. But the, this, this also brings up an issue for so many of us who are lacking spiritual maturity. And this is an important one. You can't put into practice what you don't know. You can't put into practice what you don't know. This is why we teach through literally verse-by-verse verse books of the Bible to help us know the Word of God. It's why we have D groups. and if you, It's why we pound this over and over, get in a D group, be, because... It, we believe it's important for us to be sitting around in living rooms and around tables together as a family of believers and studying the Word of God and saying, how do I apply this to my life? How, asking for prayer even from our other brothers and sisters that we're with. I need to go deeper in God's Word. I need to get this. I need to put this into practice. It's so important that we do this, that we know God's Word. It's why next week we're literally going to be, begin a brand new series going chapter by chapter through the Gospel of John. And it's going to take us several months to go through it. But we need to know the word of God. Because we can't practice what we don't know. And there's no way to go through trials in this life and have joy if you don't know the word of God. There's just no way. You're not going to be able to do it. And trust me, in the darkest moments, it is a blessing to be able to recall the promises of God in your mind. And if you've been through some stuff, if you've been through some dark moments, you know exactly what I'm talking about. As Jen and I are going through this trial right now, man, there have been many nights where we laid there with tears in our eyes, quoting scripture to each other to remind ourselves of the faithfulness and goodness of God. But here's the thing, you can't do that if you don't know it. You become an easy target for the enemy to take over your mind and convince you of every fearful thought that he can come up with if, you're not, if, if you have nothing to battle him back with. Remember, remember Jesus when he was tempted? What did he do? He uses scripture to battle against Satan as Satan was tempting him. He sets that example for us. 
So church, as we head into this new year, I know that many of us are going to make resolutions. We're going to make goals. We're going to set these things out. I want 2024 to be this. And I want it to be this way. And I want to do this. And I want to achieve this. And I want to check this off my bucket list. And all those things are great. But I'm just going to tell you, from current trial experience, you won't make a better resolution for 2024 and a more useful one, a more valuable one than to commit to study, memorize, and put God's word into your heart and your mind. There won't be a better one. I, I Make that number one. It's more important than losing 10 pounds. It's more important to go in places you've never been. It's more important than I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to be more fit, whatever it is. No, I'm telling you, this is the most important thing you could strive for in 2024. Because more than likely, you're going to go through some trials. We all are. And again, they're going to probably be different weight. But as we go through those, you're never going to regret having the word of God to be able to call to your mind. To help you through those dark moments, those difficult moments. To recall truth when the enemy is telling you everything that is false and is wrong. And trying to cause fear and anxiety in your heart and mind. I'm praying that this next year is a year of spiritual growth for us as a church, a year of maturing for us as we walk with him, a year that no matter what we're going through, that we're going to trust him, we're going to lean on him, and we will put his word into practice in all we do. Church, it's not lost on me that where we are as a church right now, right? I mean, we have grown tremendously, even this last year, both in number and spiritually. We started what we call 14 new churches this last year. Planted 14 new churches all around our, our, our community. We have come together. We've grown, last week you couldn't even find a seat, the amount of people that are coming and want to hear about and know the word of God. We, we are out of room in our kids' world area, our, our youth areas. We're trying to, we're embarking on this brand new project to build this building to, to be able to continue to spread the gospel in amazing ways. And so it's not lost on me that in the midst of all that, that Satan's like, uh-oh, I can't just stand back and let that just happen. I've got, I've got to attack. I've got to do some things to distract. I've got to, do, I've got to get this group of people off their game. That's what he wants to do. And I'm praying and asking you, don't let that happen. If anything, I'm telling you, and I said this from the beginning to a few people that I'm very close to, I said, I'm telling you, Satan has attacked me, and there have been moments that I'm telling you I have had major struggles with all of this, but I said, you know what? He doesn't know, and I may have chosen other words, I, probably, I didn't cuss, but I won't use all the words I use because sometimes y'all are like, well, I still think that's a cuss word, so I won't say that, but... I basically said, he's messed with the wrong person. Because <laughs> if he's going to attack me like this, and when we get on the other side of this, it's only going to make me stronger. It's only going to make me more in love with the, with the Lord and his word. And it's going to only help me be a better pastor as, as I pastor you guys and other people that we don't even know yet. And we go through dark times together, and we get on the other side of this. It's only going to elevate everything. And he's going to, hopefully, Satan's going to look at that and go, dang. Mess with the wrong church. I messed with the wrong group of people because they responded in a positive way. God brought them through it, and now they are stronger, and they are, they are being more effective in their community than they've ever been before. That's my hope and prayer, what God is doing and preparing us for 2024. We don't know what 2024 holds for any of us, but we know who holds it. 
And he promises to be with us every step of the way. And because of that, we can have joy, even in the midst of our trials, because we know God's got us. He's got us, church. We're going to get through this together. Let's pray.